All right. So look, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. We were talking earlier about something else, and then the conversation turned into the differences between. Look at my mic. Look at my mic. Look at my mic. You gotta tighten it up, man. Nah, 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 tighten nah, 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 nah. Supposed to be tight already. <laughs> Listen, but no, we were talking about the differences between kids today versus when we were growing up. As mm-hmm. far and and I'm speaking on lifestyle, like extracurricular right. like, yeah, or not extracurricular. I, yeah, extracurricular outside of school. No, I'm saying like or not extracurricular, but just. Habits, uh, <laughs> hobbies, un- extracurricular, <laughs> play, play time. Like, what's yeah? What are, where where are we going? Um, basketball courts looking real are empty. Are empty. No, back in, in the day, hood. you used to. Okay, first of all, I'm gonna I'm stray real quick, and I'm coming right back to this. Okay, to go to the first of all, technology has taken over everything, and I'm I'm not talking about kids. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the age of Aquarius. To get a haircut <laughs> back in the day. On that Saturday, oh, you man. Used to he was waiting in up, line. Bro. He was waiting in line. You used to get up <laughs> at the ass crack of dawn mm-hmm. to be one of the first ones at the barbershop because you don't want to be the guy to walk in the barbershop. Because, you know, me, my mom just dropped me off. Daddy wasn't always, you know hey, what I'm saying? I took, I took the bus. Right. Oh, no. Nah, see, no, nah, I need to cut that I took the bus. But look. My job was right across from Aston Road Station. Mom used to drop me off. Because, you know, she couldn't be in there too long. It was too much. She was too well, cute. Nah, they, they was going to eat your mom cute. up. They so. knew my mom. They, knew, they still took that. So, look, she would let me out. Rainbow. And I'd go in there. She'd like, I'll be back. Or call me. Call the house phone. Or I'll be back to check on you in a few. Because she already knew she had time to go. Man. Bop, bop, bop. Go here. Go there. <laughs> store, whatever. Come Man. back. Swing, Run check her errands. Run her errands. It was listen. almost like free babysitting. Kind of. <laughs> but listen. If you got there too late. Don't try to pull one of those noon moves when you get there. Right <laughs> noon, you're not getting haircut. But yet. you walk in. No, you're, you're not getting, you're not, nah, you're not getting haircut. No, what would happen was well, you you would end up having to go to the dude who's going to push your hairline back. The new dude <laughs> that ain't, you know, who just got out of barber school or the one who need to go back. Okay, it's the one who need to go back. That's but, that's always the one. Right. But what I'm getting at is back then you you risked the chance of getting that dreaded that dreadful. Oh, I got about, about four or five. <laughs> you be like, hey, how many you got? You got to go down a row. How many you got? <laughs> yeah, man, I don't even know if I'm going to even have space. I'm already. Yeah. They got boom, boom, I got five. I got about six, seven. I got boom, I got boom. You could try to come back around two and see. We get all that, right? Yeah. Yep. Nowadays, you can't even show up to the barbershop, barbershop, excuse me, barbershop. Hope it's sharp. Without an appointment. Yeah, no. Nah. Everything is appointment based, or you will find yourself hopping in again. The new guy that's man. there for whatever reason. I got to book my barber. Shout out Jose. Yeah, I got to book my man at least a month in advance. So like your barber has to be named Jose because like you got a curl. <laughs> First of all, you got a bang. Like anybody, listen, the bang. Oh, the bang is no. Nah, you're bang banging. Bang banging. If you got a bang, then bang, your bang. your barber's name is probably like Jose or Giorgio, or man. you know what I'm saying. But my point is Paul Mitchell. <laughs> Kids today have to do things totally different now because of where we are. But they don't I mean? know anything else. I mean, yeah, I, got, I mean, appointments are cool, but they don't know waiting. Kids don't know. No, nah, but why would they? They don't have. To. It's a popcorn society. Yeah. Okay. So why would you want to go to the barbershop and sit there and wait when you could just know your time and come? There's in? a lot of life lessons learned in the barbershop, but we'll save that. Technology, technology, save that technology, technology. Because. 
Ain't nothing I, worse I, than spending feel, half your Saturday just to get out the chair and your, your, your shit be. <laughs> <laughs> your line be back here. Quick, quick funny story, man. I had that happen yeah, to man. me. Ooh. Um, That's why my barber just me. actually wasn't there, but I, I desperately needed a, a shape up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I always, I, back, back then, I always had hair. Mm-hmm. So, you know, braids, cornrows, Plats, S curl, no S curl, juices and berries. Nah, that's today. B two K curl. <laughs> nah, that's today, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen to what I'm saying. Um, Michael, but man, this the one dude. He cut, he shaved me up. He cut into the braids. Mm, Trying to be a Marion. No, if I was a Marion, I would have had the little the little the, brush the down around. joint. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, I had that for like a year. I ain't gonna swell. <laughs> <laughs> Yo Oh man Good man. times But Anyway We say all that to say These these kids today Don't Have anything to do And no. I'm seeing So I was You know I, I peruse the next door app Every now and again A lot of uh, people You know Not my backyard type People But A lot The A prevalent thing That I'm seeing Is people Complaining about children Just Loitering, just standing around. You know, if they're outside, they're not doing anything. If they're um, inside, <laughs> they're not doing anything. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're just on the internet or on their phones. Um, and a lot of people are attributing that to an uptick in youth violence. Um, you know, petty crimes, robberies, mm-hmm. uh, carjackings. Muggings, but also you know murders, gang affiliation. I mean, who do we blame know? that on? The kids or the parent? The parent doesn't put the kid in special programs that are out there, especially when we have programs, which we will get into later uh, in a few. But we have programs out there for kids. Yeah. So whose fault is it? Yeah. Like, no. Um. I think I think it's a it's a multi fingered problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's the parents, because you got to take initiative with your children. You got to be there. You got to be present. But they also have to work mm-hmm. because, you know, a lot of people don't understand how to make money outside of a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is community. Society has failed them because a lot of the things that we had, community centers, bas- you know, the basketball courts. I mean, I'm seeing basketball courts that even though they're empty, they're run down. You know, mm. uh, a buddy of mine, he was talking about a basketball court over in Deanwood. I mean, the the chains, the, the rims hanging off. Mm. There's puddles on the court. You can't ball in a puddle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? As someone who went to school in Deanwood. <laughs> he my, said, he said that's part for the course, right? My middle school was across the street from <laughs> Deanwood Station, uh, literally. Um, I used to catch the train and get off on Deanwood, at Deanwood Station mm-hmm. to walk to my middle school. And... I don't know if he's speaking about the basketball courts at the school that I went to, which is no longer, doesn't go by the same name or what have you. It's like a charter school now, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the point is, I know that area and I definitely understand how a kid growing up in that area could possibly not have much to do. On the flip side, there are basketball courts, uh, even in my neighborhood now, that I remember even when I first moved out there, used to be hustle and bustle. It used to be people yeah. waiting to get on. Yeah, it was a. Now it's kind of easy to get on, but yeah, there's, no, there's no wait. But t- technology 
kicks in and now basketball is really you put the headset on. <laughs> you know what VR. Technology is now yeah, yeah. The Oculus, the the Facebook, the all that stuff, like you putting on you playing basketball at home. Yeah. Um that's if you're privileged enough to be able to get that type right, of Right, that's what I was yeah, about yeah. to get at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so and I mean that 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 really brings us into our next guest. Mm-hmm. Um it's been a little bit since we had a guest, but I'm I'm privileged and honored to be able to have this young woman on our platform to spread her message. Um, she was Miss DC 2019, uh, top ten Miss USA. Hold on, and yeah, you know, get your get your shit together. You know what I'm saying? You about to <laughs> about to have me up here looking, um, looking ugly, and I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Not about to have me up here looking ugly. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, Listen. she. But she's really making waves, man. She she's doing a lot for our community, for the youth in our community right here in the DC area. Mm-hmm. Um, man, just let's get a round of applause for for Mrs. Cordelia Cranshaw, please. Cordelia Cranshaw. Hello. Oh, when I was the slide in. Yeah. It's the pageant right now. The pageant slide. How you doing, Miss Cordelia? Crenshaw in the building. I don't know. I'm going good. Yeah, you know, we good. A chance to get get situated. How you feeling today? I feel good. All right. All right. It's Friday. Yeah. It's Friday. Um, Friday. Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> yeah. Um, first uh, thanks, off, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for joining thanks us. For I, was going to say. I feel like it's been a while. Yeah, like we've been talking about me coming on here. Um, I've been busy and I'd be like, Oh, Lance, I can't make it. And I was like, Look, this time we're making it happen. <laughs> we're making it happen. There we go. Yeah, no, I, pre- I appreciate it. And I, and I understand you're, you're busy. I'm busy. Like, really trying to make it line up has been a thing, but hey, we get it done. Yeah, we get it done. It so, happen. we're here. All right, so look, we were talking about kids, as you probably heard. I um, know. Poor kids in this generation. I feel like generations are getting worse. What do mm. you mean? So as I was listening to you all talk, what I was thinking about is community, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I always go back to this notion of being able to knock on your neighbor's door. <laughs> mm. Okay. Yeah. You okay. can't do that anymore. No, people no, get shot. Your neighbor's not even going to no, answer seriously. the door. No, people get <laughs> shot. Yes, people get shot. Ring doorbells? Like, what do they want? Mm-hmm. In in some neighborhoods, yes. Yeah, but it's not as it's not as prevalent. It's not as prevalent as as it used to be. Uh, We had the situation where the the young boy was knocking on the wrong door. Um, I don't know if you heard. Yeah, he was shot. Up his little brother. Yep, knocked on the wrong door, and he, you know, so things happen. So um, we are in a different time, and with these different times, the new generation has to adapt to. I mean, I guess this is what they know. But we see the change, yeah, right? We see the difference. And I'm assuming that you saw some change because you are doing big things with your ARC um, program. If you want to tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm doing so many different things right now, but I think my biggest focus is prevention. It's okay. all about preventing some of the things that we see, right? Like, so I typically work in an environment where we talk about at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. Um, I also come from a family where... I've noticed generational cycles in trauma. 
And so me going in and working with these young adults or these students or these kids, it's all about prevention. Like, how can I prevent them from mm. getting involved in systems? Because we know systems are not going to change. Yeah. They are what they are. So it's all about prevention. Like, yeah. how do we break those generational cycles through prevention and making sure that we focus on community and family? Mm-hmm. So... What would you say sparked that? Is was it some? What did you see that, or was it just a passion that you had already, um, you know, embedded in you? Or what, did you Mm-mm. see something? Was it a story? You know, what do you have? No, it was my life. Oh, oh, that's good. <laughs> Self experience. It was my life. Yeah, no. Um, most people who know me know that my mom was sentenced to ten years in prison when I was twelve years old. My dad, all my life, was a drug addict and alcoholic. Mm. I aged out of the foster care system. So a lot of the young adults and the youth that I work with, I've gone through similar experiences as them. Mm -hmm. And that really is what allowed me to find my passion as I was navigating, trying to figure out like what I was going to do with, with my life, because I was constantly trying to figure out like, what am I going to eat the next day? Where am I going to lay my head? I was always in survivor mode. Mm -hmm. And at some point along the journey, I forgave my parents. I decided I wasn't going to be nothing like them, and I just was in grind mode, and that brought me to a point where people started recognizing the things that I was doing, and I started to thrive, and it just became my passion to be like, okay, well, I'm not the only person going through this, but why am I like, why is the percentage or the statistics so small Mm -hmm. of me accomplishing these things? I thought that was crazy. Yeah, you're the outlier. Yeah. Amongst like, a mass group of people. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just me. I'm just grinding, trying to get there. But why am I one of the people that are highlighted? So um, in the foster care community, only 3% of youth who graduate, um, who age out of foster care, go on to earn their bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Only, wow. 50, only 50% graduate high school. I'm like, that's wow. crazy. That's By the crazy. time they're 26, they're jobless or they're homeless. Um, so, and the statistics go on and on. That's stagger. That's a staggering statistic. Yeah, I mean, it highlights Wild. the importance of upbringing. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm, I know in the local area there is a story of the the kid who hopped on the school bus and yep. tried to kill someone. The gun didn't go mm-hmm. off; it jammed, but they were looking for him. Yeah, and he's he's out here, and I'm yeah. in, interested and he's being to see as an adult. And you know, that kind of hit home for me because mm-hmm. my brother. 15 charges as an adult did 15 years in prison came home when he was 30 Mm -hmm. he's back in prison now for murder right Mm -hmm. so then he was charged for um armed robbery but never found the gun right but just period he was a black man Mm -hmm. in the criminal justice system Mm-hmm. Did 15 years Like what It's hard to get out His, his, his life His life I mean, He can't grew get up that in back. prison yeah, And then we back. thought That sending him home Was gonna be the best Thing for him No that was a and shell shot And then he wasn't Gonna go back And it just baffles me Because I tried to help him Give him my heart And my experiences And things that I knew But that wasn't enough Man Cause I couldn't I All the things that I provided to him The support that I gave him That was not enough For what He grew up in Yeah the system he grew up in. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of hard to reverse a, a lifetime worth of imprisonment. I mean, yeah. you find yourself up uh, ice skating uphill, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's a it's a, it's a struggle. Um, and that's why I always talk about community because parenting is hard as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're you're a dad, right? You're yeah. a dad. Mm-hmm. I'm a mom, yeah. and I'm just now being in the game, and I'm like, this is hard. 
in a two-parent household is hard, so I can only imagine the single moms. Mm-hmm. Um, me and one of my homegirls always talk about the moms who have to decide, like, do I leave my 10-year-old at home with the five and two-year-old to go make this money for rent, or do I just skip out on work so CPS isn't called on me and stay here right. and not pay rent? Like, what do I do? D- damned uh, if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and again, the importance of community. I remember a time or two when I found myself with the neighbor or whether it was the neighbor um, taking me to school, my mom probably giving them a couple dollars and it was the neighborhood yeah. guy who would pick the kids up and take them to the school. Uh, cause in, in D.C. public schools, we didn't have school buses unless <laughs> you earned it. And <laughs> hey, we're not going to go there. If you earned the school bus, you know, <laughs> we, hey, touch the kids. We love them. <laughs> but my point is we didn't have school buses. So as a young kid, you can't be catching, you know, Metro to school. So there was a neighborhood guy who would take all the kids to school. He had the big conversion van. Nowadays, it's kind of creepy. It's kind of creepy. Kind of creepy. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. But he was, you know, he was a nice guy. And, yeah, but things were out. different. Um, so it's, it's important to have those type of um, elements in your community. And those elements nowadays seem to be very few and far in between. So um, I'm interested to see, you know, where things go as far as kids because – what do you do now? We, uh, they don't know what we knew. They, they are growing up in a society where we can tell them how things used to be and they don't care. Oh, you old. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but at the same time, when we grew up, older kids, uh, not older kids, but our older relatives would be like, I used to walk uh, two miles to school <laughs> in the snow. It wasn't no snow day. I mean, the, iron, the irony of it is that they have all the information we didn't. They have it Tools. at their fingertips the world is now this small the world is this small now so i was gonna ask you all is that why people got more sensitive and more scared and Mm, has technology instilled fear in people definitely that's a good question you wonder if more things are happening or we just have more access to find out about the things that are happening we we i'm a big proponent of it's just more access i don't think anything different is happening outside of has been happening on earth for mm-hmm. tens of thousands of years. Yeah. I mean, we, we read books know, and man. see these things. But, I don't know, man. I mean, but you're also these kids. No, these kids are wild. They, <laughs> these be, kids, talking about, they be talking about Dracos or Dracos yeah, or whatever the yeah. hell. I can't even pronounce it. It's the Dracos. The Dracos. Who is that? It's the Dracula. We was talking about. You're right, though. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We were talking about Uzis at 12. You're like, that's a rapper. Uzi, that's a rapper. Yeah, no, no. Yes. And thank, thank you, Lil Wayne. They emulate what they see <laughs> on the TV. Yeah. You know why they yeah. emulate so much that they see on TV? Because they're in the house so much. Yeah. You know, they're not doing They see things. it so much. Yeah. yeah, I used to be outside. My, my parent, I said my parent, my mom or my dad would have to be like, yo, when the lights come on, you make sure you're in this house. Yes. Now you have to beg kids to go, to go outside. Whereas they were threatening me. Yeah, you used to have to tell me I need to be in by a certain time. Yeah. Now you have to get them out the house. And then when you put them out the house... Not in a bad way, but when you get them out the house to, you know, do go do something, right? They find themselves Mischief. doing things they shouldn't be doing. So it's it's a struggle. So I mean, I'm glad to hear you that you have a program that's helping get some of these kids something to do. Yeah. Um, and and my focus lately. So I am. My background is in social work, and makes sense. After my life experiences kind of happened to me and I decided I was going to go to school for social work, 
Um, I practiced, you know, direct practice for a few years in the foster care system. And then I decided to become a therapist, Mm -hmm. which I had never decided that I was going to do. That was not in my trajectory of my career. That's a calling. And Mm -hmm. I literally was like, I love this. (laughs) That's what's up. Like I can help. So with foster care, like, I don't know if you know about the system, but when you're a social worker or even a supportive service. And I think for me, no matter what capacity I work in with youth who have experienced the foster care system, like it's everything about them from head to toe, Mm -hmm. well-being, education, basic needs, everything. And so as a therapist walking into that lane, I was still able to help people with their mental health and their well-being without Mm. the whole person. So it took this extra weight off my shoulders. So now I work with adults who are suffering from anxiety and depression and really focusing on connecting the dots to their trauma. Mm. And That's incredible. Yeah, and I I love it. And so my focus now is like here. It's the mind, Mm. right? Like how do we teach youth and children like – how to focus on their mind, mm-hmm. their thoughts, what they think, what they tell themselves in order to start to break those cycles because that stuff is so deep-rooted. Like, yeah. you know how many families I came in contact with where it's like, okay, they're in foster care, but their parents been in foster care, and their parents been in foster care, or their parents are It's a cycle. In, yeah, it's a, a cycle. cycle. Let me ask you something. Have you ever, during your, your journey as a therapist, have you come across anyone who was a foster kid? Yeah. Yep. Do you divulge the information that you were a foster kid to them when, when it you... depends i disclose when appropriate but okay. i mean yeah i'm not saying you walk in with like yeah. i'm a foster kid t-shirt yeah. on but, but oh no but it's literally written all over my forehead so i am an open book do other foster kids recognize for like i think she's a foster kid no okay no, so what do you literally, mean literally it's n- so i just talk about it okay okay I you're open about, about your story yeah, I'm open so. about it okay and a lot of people aren't they're ashamed of that experience yeah not doesn't feel normal. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but I, I think what you've done is absolutely brave as hell Thank you. to come out of your shell and put your story essentially on Front Street. I mean, you got the YouTube channel about it with your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, please give them the YouTube channel. Yeah, we need to drop that. But it's called yeah. Motherless Daughter. We do have a couple episodes. And our goal for that is really showing people how to, how to bridge and build relationships. A lot of people have broken relationships, even if you haven't experienced the foster care system. But with my mom being gone for 10 years out of my life, and then even before then, in and out of prison, um, I thought it was really important for the world to see and know how we were able to rebuild our relationship. Naming your show Motherless. Motherless Daughter. And having a show with your mom called Motherless Daughter is wild. Well, let me tell you why we named it that. I had thought about that, like, that phrase for a while mm-hmm. because I grew up without my mother mm-hmm. but she also grew up without her mother mm-hmm. she was adopted at birth wow. and then put into the foster care system because her adopted mother no longer wanted her and also a part of my work adoption is so glorified and it's yeah. like oh let's get these kids adopted and it's like wait a minute kids come into foster care and then they're traumatized again because of the lack of quality in foster mm-hmm. parents or they get adopted the lack of quality in adoptions. Because people so, want to adopt, adopt younger kids, so yep. older kids yep. kind of find yep. themselves stuck, right? What's, yep. the, what's the what's the slope? Like, let's say if you hit five years old, your chances go from this to this of being adopted. What's the age? What's so here's the thing. People typically do come involved with the foster care system. If their goal is adoption, they do typically want to adopt babies, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um 
I would say under five would be a good range. Mm-hmm. But the thing about trauma is you, all three of us could go through the same exact situation and we can all experience it differently. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what people don't understand. It's like, so a baby being removed from their biology, that, that's that science, yeah. that connection, they're going to have some things that are yeah. challenging for them as they get older. Mm-hmm. And so what I find in like adoptions or failed adoptions is that they get older and they get more challenging to deal with. And because they're not biologically connected to these people, mm-hmm. they give up. Yeah. It's just like, so I've, I've put my nephew on to, well, one of my nephews on to you and your, um, your platform because you. we adopted him. My sister adopted him. Um, he was eight months old. His parents, which actually happened to be family members of my sister mm-hmm. were drug addicts. Um, you know, which resulted in him having a lot of issues growing up. Um, and, you know, we were, we've always been very open with him about where he comes from, who his mm-hmm. parents are, mm-hmm. just so he, he knows there's no mystery behind it. Um, which is a good thing. Yeah, we've, we've found that it helps a lot. And, you know, we've tried to be very cognizant of that, you know, just any little thing that could trigger him so to speak or just set him off as to like why aren't you telling me this well why didn't you tell me you know well you know his his dad was dying from a drug related disease you know he's still very ill but we had to break that down to him and you know it was hard telling a 12 year old like hey man your biological father is very sick um it happens to be because of some life choices that he's made but he's 16 now and he's been very receptive and appreciative of the things that we've told him and just being very open with him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we, we just got to try to be as open and honest with him so that he can take, take it in and digest it and figure yeah. out what he wants to do with himself. Yeah. yeah. But it's helped him a lot. And, um, honestly meeting you has helped me with him. So I appreciate you. you you know sharing again sharing your story and just being so brave to put that out there that's yeah transparency is key a lot of these adoptive parents they come in thinking that they want to shut the biological parent out losing isaiah yeah exactly (laughs) the thing is though is we all have identity and identity starts from the day we're born Mm -hmm. right and everybody wants to know their identity they want to know their culture they want to know where they came from even as things as simple as like health reasons Mm -hmm. right like i may be adopted at birth but my my biological makeup my health is going to come from my biological family Mm -hmm. so these are things that are important to know and i think you know i'm i'm one of those advocates and those voices in the system that is talking about how important that is so that people can be more self-aware and more intentional around how they're helping children and families. Because, mm. again, community. Before we move on from that chapter of your life, I did. I think you mentioned it, but how old were you when you went into foster care? I, mean, I was actually system? the first time I went into the system. I was probably about five. Five? And then I went in again at 14. Okay, so you knew who your parents were. Yep. Okay, you knew. So yeah. now that you have, a, you, know, you have the YouTube thing you're going to be doing with your mom, um, you lost touch. Did you ever lose touch with your mother? Um, I did, actually. When my mom, when she first was went to prison doing the 10-year bid, I didn't see her for three years. Wow. But you knew where she was. She How was old were you? I was, I was 12. So I didn't huh. see her again until I was 15. How does that? Okay. <laughs> Real quick. So how does that work? So you're 12. Your mom goes in. Yep. 
when she comes out, is it up to her to find you? No, I was an adult. I was grown. <laughs> okay, I mean, so that, that, in those three years, you probably grew up really quick, right? Yeah, I mean, well, oof. do you find her? Like, what happens? No, so okay, fifteen. I I went. My foster mother went and took me to see her. Oh, that's okay. That's a good thing. And then it, it was a good thing. My foster mother complained about it though, and she mm-hmm. hated it, but mm-hmm. she did it, and I appreciated her for that. Did she ask? Did you ask to go, or did she? Think um, you I think to it was a her? combination of like the social worker encouraging it and me saying yes, I want to go. Okay. Okay. So she probably took me, I could probably count on my hands how many times she took yeah, yeah, yeah. me. And then at some point I moved I moved and went off to college and she was closer in proximity. So I would drive myself. I would go see my mom on Saturday mornings, which is also not normal. Like yeah. I'm in college yeah, yeah. taking a Saturday. And literally it's a long Saturday because you got to drive there. Then you have your visit. Mm-hmm. You got to drive back and you're just exhausted emotionally. It could be, I was about to say emotionally like, exhausting. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, so a lot. I, would, I would drive down like at the point that I had a car and I was physically able to go and drive down. I would. Okay. So. To a happier place, okay? Because this is kind of deep, and I, and I like that. That's your story, and that story has led to you to do the yeah. things that you've done, right? Because if you don't go through that, um, you might not. I don't know if you have that same passion. I don't know if you have that same passion to do what you're doing with your program and mm-hmm. things of that nature, right? So that happens, and I want to ask this question: When in your program, when you talk to kids, I'm assuming there some of them are are in the system, right? Do you think it gives you an extra level of cachet with these kids to be like, hey, I understand, versus, let's say me, just Mr. Camp guy coming in and being like, <laughs> hey, Mr. man, Camp things guy. will be okay. And they're like, man, you don't understand. But if you, if you have that story that you can share with them and connect with them on a level, do you think that gives you an added, like... Oh, yeah. yeah when, you sure. can con- when you can connect and they... So it's funny because... I, I kind of deemed myself a speaker in 2017. I was still going through the pageants. I hadn't won Miss DC USA yet, but I was claiming it. Um, so when I walk in a room, like I'm typically like dressed, makeup, in a dress, heels, right? And so when I walk in, they're looking at me like probably like anybody else that they see. Mm-hmm. And then I start to disclose like my story and be You're transparent like, well, and vulnerable. And, yeah. <laughs> they and can't like, judge a book by its cover. Right. Even if the cover looks like. L magazine. (laughs) Exactly. So I just break it down for them. But I'm glad I'm able to do that because then they see somebody that has also been in their shoes. Yes. And they and and the the goal of me sharing my story is to to instill hope. Right. Like you're you're not this isn't the end of your journey. Exactly. Honestly, it's just a stop along the way. It's just the beginning. Like as children, we don't have much control. But when you become an adult, like yeah, the world man. is yours. Man, I I want to applaud you again um, on that because this, this is a big thing you're doing. Anytime we could give back to our community and you know, and a community doesn't have to be race based, uh, gender based. Yeah, it could be situational uh, or upbringing. It could be just it's a it's different communities, and and you're leading the charge in this one um, to reach back to those who are going through things that you've gone through. So that's that's big time. Man. Thank you. Now you mentioned. This pageant, <laughs> you have the title. Let's let's give it straight, Miss. Can, can you give it to Shout us? Shout out to Miss District of Columbia, USA, and Miss District let's of Columbia, USA. District of Columbia. <laughs> All right. 
How does that happen? Come on now. <laughs> Give us that quick story for it. Oh, man. So actually, I started pageants when I was in foster care. I was at my foster mother's job one day, and I was just like on the computer looking up modeling um, <clears throat> because a lot of people would always be like, oh, you're so beautiful. You're so pretty. But I never felt that like internally. Yeah. And I was at my foster mother's job one day, I think just trying to figure out, like, obviously I was bored. I was there all day. I'm like, all right, I got to Google something. <laughs> so I started Googling and I came across pageants. <clears throat> um, excuse me. And I came across pageants and I took, like, I printed this information. I was like, oh, let me print this. I took it to my cheerleading coach mm-hmm. and she was like, you want to do a pageant? And I was like, yeah, actually I do. She took that paperwork and like threw it. She was like, we're not going to do any of these pageants. I know the perfect pageant for you. These pageants will scam you and take all your money. Okay. And she signed me up for a pageant. It was literally a week away. Oh. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. So her and a teacher that I was really close with really just helped me prepare for that pageant. We, like, started scrummaging through my closet. They took me shopping. My cheerleading coach had done pageants before, so she took one of her dresses, and we, like, tailored it down to my size. We, I go and I compete for this pageant and I end up winning. And I was like, oh. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I won Miss Greater Springfield Outstanding Teen 2009. And I didn't know that you go on to another level after that. So I competed for Miss Virginia Outstanding Teen mm-hmm. 2009. And that really just opened up the world of pageantry. And that was the first time I really had a platform to really be myself, to really share my passion of helping other people Mm. and with pageants it's all about community at at least that's how i saw it i think the other i think there is a world where people see pageants in a different light but for me it was all about okay how can i impact my community with this crown and this sash Mm -hmm. and so that was the foundation you won your first pageant I won my first pageant. Off the rip. You lose that first pageant. <laughs> however, however, and yes, the girl that was probably the girl that was slated to win, she was she was salty. She was not happy at all. <laughs> I actually won, and I won Miss Congeniality. So I was over the moon about that. Um, went to Miss Virginia, didn't win, didn't place, and I was like, okay, well, now that I'm going into being an adult, I can compete on the Miss level. Mm-hmm. So I competed for Miss Norfolk. Didn't place, didn't win. Competed for Miss Northern Virginia, didn't place, didn't win. And at that pageant, I had a head judge tell me after the pageant that I shouldn't be competing in pageants and I should be writing a book somewhere. So I was like, okay. Wow, okay. Well, I guess this isn't for me. So I stopped doing pageants after that. I was just like, all right. If you lose that first pageant, do you think you continue? Yeah, absolutely. If you want it bad enough. Yeah. But I was thinking because you won the first one, so that's like losing after that probably sucks, but yes. you know you won. Yeah. You've tasted yeah. winning, so you're like, I could win. It all sucks. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And the person told you maybe you should you write should a write book. Because, yeah, because of you shared my, your story. Yeah, I was sharing my story and my experiences. Yeah. And I was probably, you know, 18, 19. I was still really much going through my healing process. My mm-hmm. mom was still in jail. My dad was still drinking. Like, it was, it was still rough. And I can understand why that was his perspective, right? Like, I probably wasn't as healed as I was when I won Miss DC USA. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably wasn't as articulate. Really, what it was, I wasn't as confident. That's really yeah, what it yeah, was. That's what I, wasn't, I wasn't as confident. Um, and although I had that potential, I, wasn't, I didn't walk in those rooms and show that potential. So, mm-hmm. long story short, I was just like, all right, well, done with pageants. Then I ended up moving to D.C., 
and I was in my master's program and someone had brought up pageants again. And I was like, hmm, well, maybe let me look into this. So I went and I competed for DC USA in 2016. And there were 16 girls and I didn't place. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> maybe I really shouldn't be writing a book somewhere. I'm rusty. <laughs> like, wait You're a rusty, minute. That's all. Especially because back then I was like, well, I'm not like these other girls. Like, my parents are not in the crowd. Mm-hmm. I don't have the money for these fancy-ass dresses. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, maybe this person yeah, yeah. is right. It was like, like a, against all odds type thing. Exactly. So I had, I had done, I had taken the same approach that year that I did before. Like, I had kind of had women surrounded me that invested in me, encouraged me. And I was like, Oh, well, like I was still kind of being cheap about it a little bit. And pageants really is like, it takes, it takes money to compete in pageants. Yeah, no, I mean, it, look, like, it looks it like it takes money. It's a rich girl sport. Yes, I feel like everything, is. every, all competitions, it seems like, especially yeah. beauty based. Yeah, exactly. Man. So even cheerleading, you gotta, it's still beauties. Yeah. Women's competition just seems to take a lot of yeah. money. So that year I wore someone's hand-me-down dress, got it altered. And then the next year I was like, all right, look, I'm in my profession. I can invest a little bit of money. I got a coach Mm -hmm. and I placed top five. Okay. okay. Top five, top five, top five. five. (laughs) I got this. Um, Was making connections in D.C. ARC had launched and been around for a while. We were doing super great. And then I went the next year and I placed top five again. But I I was in the same position i was fourth runner up both years in a row mm-hmm. so i was like okay maybe this isn't for me mm-hmm. so i just was like i'm done with pageants i'm gonna just like focus on the things that i love things that bring me purpose i'm really invested in arc that was the year we got our first grant we were able to expand into ward eight which is the highest mm-hmm. poverty rate in dc southeast what's up southeast yeah Hi. and Southside. um <laughs> So I was just like, all right, like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do the pageant. But it was also my last year. So it was like when October came around, I was like, no, I'm going to do this pageant. Mm-hmm. So then I went and I competed again. But over that that course of that year, I really did some like self-reflection. And I like I would all when I go and speak, I show these pictures of me in like fifth grade and sixth grade. And I just I don't look like someone that would have been in pageants at all. But it was that real reminder of like what I've been through and who I am today and how my value and my worth was not determined by my upbringing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't determined by my mom being in jail or my dad being an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. It was all about what I felt about myself and what I believed in myself. And when I, when I was able to convey that to the judges, they were like, Oh yeah, this is our winner. Yeah. So that's really what it was about. (laughs) Wish I had a bomb drop joint, but man, imagining, Imagine having all that to share and you don't even use it for that on this platform at at this go and you win. This time you don't use it and you just go on what you just mentioned, um, thinking into like self-confidence and just all that. And then you win. And the backstory really still is there because it still led you to this. Mm -hmm. Okay. And again, upbringing and like we touched on early on, it's important to get your kids involved in something. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, that's exactly what happened. So I had a different type of drive, right? Like yeah. I was actually grinding for something that I wanted. Yeah. So I would argue, like, don't just get your kids into anything, but inquire with them. Yeah. Around oh, their be so I came off sounding real, just real quick. I was going to you gonna quick. do this. I'm getting real quick because um, my, son, my son boy. is five, right? <laughs> so I had this thing, of course. You know, his mom's like, "Yo, he, you know, he needs to do something," and I was like, "Oh, we don't have to rush, right?" 
And I kept saying it, but I know it could come off sounding real because I could pro- procrastinate sometimes. But I, it wasn't that. I just didn't see the point in throwing throwing him in something um, and just seeing what sticks. But he was like trying. We would just do things loosely, and I didn't want to put him in something because um, I kind of went through that as a kid. Um, my mom, being a single mom, like she wanted me to be involved in something, right? But when it happens that way, it's kind of just like. Such and such is talking about. Yeah. Um, it's like Boy Scouts. Oh, oh, he does. Oh, then, oh, yeah, you should, you should do that. Karate. Oh, boom, boom, boom. And then what happened is that I found myself being put into so many different things and not yeah. sticking with any of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I got a little bit. I did get a little bit of culture or like experiences from a lot of these different things that I did, but nothing really stuck. Right. So with my son, I wanted to see what he what really grabbed him versus what he grabbed. Um, so we would just I'll be outside with everything I have a, a soccer ball out Football out Basketball out Just everything out Buffet Trying to get him to see Like <laughs> yeah. what Yeah trying to watch And see what he actually likes But eventually You know mom wins And she's just like He's going in this He's going to swim in He's going to do soccer And he's doing good in soccer So you know Sometimes it's, it's good to Just you know, take Lance the initiative like 14 years so. Yeah you know. <laughs> So he Little Freddie Adu over there. So he's in good hands. Mbappe, Mbappe. Little lights get Freddie Adu. And I love that he went to swimming. Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. He swim classes, uh, soccer, um, different thing. And he's he's trying to get. He's into skateboarding. He's into all different things. But my point is, you know, even though I am pushing right now, just saying it's it's important to get your kids into things. I'm I'm speaking. I'm not speaking to the five year old, the six year old uh, parents of you know parents of five year six year old kids. Yeah. I'm talking Going to those back kids, to the preteens, the yeah, teenagers. That yeah. y- those years when you're actually, I mean, the truly drunk. formative, yes. formative years. Yes, because putting him in anything could actually turn him off to doing a lot. Yeah, and next thing you know, he find himself just doing video games, and he's not on that video game head. Yeah, he wants to. Yeah, turn the PlayStation on, Dad. I, every now and again, you know, he'll I let him go and do the PlayStation. Um, but my point is. Don't just throw your kid into something to get rid of them. Like, take the time to watch your watch your child. Like, learn your child. See where the interest is, and from there decide what to put them in. Because actually, just throwing them in in anything could be not as detrimental. I don't want to say that, but it could be pointless. You know. So yeah, actually take that time with your child and just watch them. Sometimes, sometimes just not saying anything and just watching yeah. your child is very important. Yeah, they'll gravitate yeah. to it. Towards what they want to do. Yes, yes. Yeah. I heard you. that you should allow your kids to be bored. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because they'll find something. Will exactly. they'll find? Yeah, yeah. Because they might be really creative and then start, yeah. you know, building or drawing, and then you you realize that they have a talent or something that they didn't have. I mean, that you didn't know they had because you were so busy trying to throw them into Boy Scouts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, um, no, not feeling the Boy Scouts. Huh? Yeah, no, no. I'm saying because I got thrown in Boy Scouts at one point, and I, I got a couple stages in, and then it wasn't. I, I went to Boy Scout anymore. Too, and I'm like, what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's like, man, those Saturday mornings, <laughs> like, Saturday morning Boy Scout meetings were, were keeping me from, like, missing wrestling and X-Men, X-Men cartoon. X-Men Saturday morning. You know what I mean? I just hate it. And I didn't <laughs> like it, so I'm missing this. And we didn't have DVR back then, so either the video, I had a VHS. Uh, had to record on that yeah. or something. But it's like, come on, man. I, what am I doing? You know, you're just there. So take the time to invest in your kids. And I'm not talking about monetarily. I'm talking about. Like 
Emotionally. 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 Yeah. Emotionally. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mentally. Yeah. And get yourself some therapy. Okay. Yeah, for Come on. Everybody needs we, therapy. Yeah. Everybody. Listen. You need someone in your life that you can talk to objectively. Yeah. yeah. Period. Yeah. Okay. We like, all focus on the physical. Yes. You go to the doctor when you're not feeling well, but you, you need, if you're not feeling good emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you need to get that checked as well. Mm-hmm. You know, those are. So it's all a holistic approach. Yeah. Um, again, I want you to put all your information out there for everything we just talked about for the art program. That's very important. Can you please let them know? Yeah. Um, follow me on Instagram, Cordelia D. Cranshaw, and you can go to arc-dc.org to check us out and see what we're up to. It's a real deal. Yeah. It's a real deal. Have yeah. a round of applause. Yeah, I want to <laughs> thank you. I want to thank you. Is there anything else you want to share with the people uh, at all? Um, no. Real quick, wait, wait. Uh, one more thing before we go. Uh, she shared a quick story. Well, she didn't actually share the story, but she mentioned uh, just flippantly talking, mentioned about uh, housewives. Remember? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So she said, "Just oh yeah, we were talking about uh, Potomac." Yeah, they they were they were trying to scout me, and I didn't. I wasn't drama filled enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, so essentially, what happened was someone. I want to say she reached out on Instagram. And then I gave her my information. And I think, so Candace uh, Diller Bassett, mm-hmm. she was in pageant. So mm-hmm. I knew her prior to her going on the show. And I was probably commenting on like one of her posts. And I think I got that DM shortly after. So they're probably scouting that way. Just looking at who comments, who mm-hmm. posts. Yeah. And they have really been trying to build like the DC or mm-hmm. Housewives of Potomac brand. Yeah, they try. And because for whatever reason, we seem to be far and few between when it comes to like um, living out that lifestyle that mm-hmm. they want to see. Yeah. Nobody, nobody thinks of D.C. when you think of yeah. really affluent black people, right, which right. is odd because some of the most affluent black people are here in this yeah, area. Right that's outside. wild, yeah. right? Yeah. So they reached out to me. I talked to the assistant producer and she was like, OK, I'm going to pass your name along. I had a call scheduled with the producer. It was like 7 a.m. on a, like some random morning. And he was like, yeah, so tell me what you think about the girls. I'm like, well, <laughs> this is what I think. So did you watch the show when they, before? So I was watching the show, but I was not a, a avid fan. Mm-hmm. I did not watch Housewives in general. Like sometimes I would watch Housewives of Atlanta or whatever. Mm. Um but I'm not really, actually, I'm not really a TV person. I'm not really a TV person. I'm not really a movie person. Literally, I sometimes feel one dimensional because mm. I really am all about community, children, and families. But that's what it's my multi dimensional, if you ask me. No, seriously. <laughs> but like everything is like rooted in people. Um, and so I'm not, I wasn't really nasty about it. And I think that may have been what they were looking for like someone just a little bit a little looking bit looking for the bad girls club yeah, a that's little all. bit and I just didn't give that so it wasn't given and they didn't Man. call me back that's interesting though cuz I just I I didn't know how that uh how that goes you know for these reality shows um yeah. And I, I, a lot of times I know that someone on the show like will bring someone else in, bring a friend, and if mm-hmm. they they do well, then they can eventually become a, a mainstay or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But I didn't know that they would pull would scout just yeah. random people. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because I think they do scout pageant girls because I was scouted for um, Survivor, mm. and oh, I, was, wow. I was scouted for. Um, what else was I scouted for? Survivor. Um, Sixty days in. Wow. Have I seen that show? Yeah. No, I, I haven't. Listen, I called the and I was like, yo, they want me for 
60 days in, I think I'm going to do it. He's like, no, the fuck. <laughs> He's like, you will absolutely Yo. not. So then I go home and I watch this show. And I'm like, mm, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Wow. Yeah. Well, Women get treated really badly in prison, but that's another, yeah, day. Nah, another they, story for another day. They definitely do. Yeah. They mm. definitely do. Well, and not just from the inmates. Good. Yeah, you know exactly. <laughs> so, uh, wow. so yeah. So, needless to say, reality TV may or may not be in my not yet. <laughs> maybe not yet. Maybe not yet. Maybe not yet. You know, it might just not be uh, a drama, right. a drama series. You exactly. Know? Yeah, It'd be something so. else. Mm. All right. Well, that's good. Thanks for sharing that with us. I was, I did not know. So that's very, you know, that was new to me. Um, I don't know, man. Anything else you want to say? Yeah, no, I think I think we've got it covered. I I really appreciate you coming out. Of it's course. it's been an honor again to just talk with you, have you share your story, really show people that no matter your background, really you can persevere to come out on top and do mm-hmm. whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, so many people think that they've gotten such a bad lot in life that they're just kind of stuck, but you're not. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kudos to you. Thank you. Congratulations on all your accomplishments. Um, I know this is really just the beginning. Thank you. So, yeah. And you know we, we're gonna lock in on a, on a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We'd love to have you back, and then next time we'll just have you. We'll talk about some, you know, just other things also um, to get more into, you know, life for you on the on the day to day. Your thoughts on different things because uh, you seem like an interesting person. Yeah. So yeah. one 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 episode isn't enough to peel back. Yeah, no, we had to get the <laughs> story and get yeah. So please come back. Um, it's been great. Uh, I'm just going to wrap it up because I'm not sure what else to say. Yeah. Um, if you want to give a handle one more time at the end, and then we that's it. You say the last words. Give me a handle one more time. Cordelia D. Cranshaw. Follow me, y'all. Like that. Yang, yang. We out.